0: Amen. Grab your Bibles. Remain standing for just a moment. Turn with me to Matthew chapter number 23. Matthew chapter number 23. We're going we're to try to finish up this chapter we started a couple weeks ago. Uh, uh, we, we went from uh, Matthew 23, 1 to Matthew 23, 12. And, uh, and so we're going to try to go from 13 and finish it on up today. Are you glad to be saved? Amen. 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 Uh uh we are we are going through the book of Matthew last week or actually the week before last uh we we saw that we are in a scene this is in the last week of the Lord's life uh he is this is matter of fact this is his last sermon his last public sermon on earth before his crucifixion and uh it is it is very very significant uh, a couple of weeks ago, we learned that there's a, there's a pretty good sized crowd here. His disciples are in this crowd. So we have a bunch of uh, people who are wanting or, or, or wanting to hear from God or wanting to find something. We have the disciples. And then we have the scribes and the Pharisees, the false religious leaders of Israel. If, if you remember that, say Amen. And in the first part, verses one through 12, he's looking at the crowd and his disciples and telling them the way the scribes and the Pharisees are and basically saying, don't be like them. How many of y'all remember that? Well, today Jesus is going to turn from the disciples in the crowd and he's going to look dead in the eyes of the scribes and Pharisees and he has a sermon for them. Now, remember this, you know, most of the time when I'm preaching, I'm preaching to all y'all. But in this moment, Jesus is preaching specifically to the false leaders, the false teachers of Israel. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Now let's look in verse number 13. But woe unto you, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye can pass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made... Make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Woe unto you, blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he's a debtor. Ye fools and blind. For whether it's greater, the gold, or the temple that sanctified the gold. And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever swears by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Ye fools and blind! For whether it is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. Whosoever therefore shall swear by the altar sweareth by it and all things thereon. And whosoever shall swear by the temple sweareth by it and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven sweareth by the throne of God and by him that sitteth thereon. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye pay tithe and mint and anise and cummin. And have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides, which strain at a gnat, and swallow a camel. Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter. But within they are full of extortion and excess. Now blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto white sepulchres, which indeed appear outward, but are, or excuse me, appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also, what? Outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Now we're going to cover the rest of the verses, but for the sake of time, I'm going to let you, we're going to pray and I'll let you be seated. Lord Jesus, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Lord, I pray that you'll help us, help us today. Help us to see the the seriousness of true sound doctrine and help us see the danger of false doctrine and false teachers. I pray that your perfect will be done in Jesus name. We pray and all of God's people say it. You may be seated. I'm going to go ahead and warn you, if you are a snowflake, you're going to be in bad shape today. And you say, preacher, what are you saying? I, I'm, I'm saying this. If, if many pastors, preachers today would preach this sermon in a way that Jesus preached this in his day, uh, he would lose a lot of people because there's a lot of people that can't handle the truth. And and being a snowflake, some of y'all got triggered already just by hearing that word. So if if you're very timid and you don't like to be controversial, uh, and I'm not I'm not a I'm not a controversial guy. I don't like controversy. I like when everybody likes me. Say amen. But sometimes we have this false false notion and false idea that in order to be a good Christian. You got you to get along with everybody, no matter the cost. And that's just not reality. Sometimes as a Christian, you got to stand up. See, I, I, I was way too few amens right there. Sometimes as a Christian, you got to go the opposite direction of the crowd. Sometimes as a Christian, you have got to tell the truth, even if nobody likes it. The gospel doesn't always unite. The gospel doesn't always bring us together. Matter of fact, most of the time, the gospel will divide. The gospel will divide. Jesus is very brutal in his sermon. Jesus is blistering in his sermons specified for the Pharisees. If you look at the top of your notes, you'll see the target. It was the scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes and the Pharisees. These are the religious elite. These are the false teachers and the false religious leaders of Israel of that day. Now, now, two weeks ago, we learned that the Pharisees and the scribes had basically done this. They took God's law, they took God's law, and they added some of what they wanted to it and created and manipulated it to a, and created their own false religion. A false religion that was based on works, a false religion that was based on the outside and not the inside. A, 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 a false religion that benefited, that benefited the false leaders and not the people they were trying to teach. And Jesus had a problem with it. From the moment Jesus began his ministry, he had a problem with them. Jesus never was blistering to lowly sinners. He was never brutal to the broken. He was never brutal. And and, and even to the very, very sinful publicans and those who were away from God, non-religious, he was kind and he was compassionate to them and he loved them and he taught them. But to the false teacher, to the one who stood in God's name, but yet led people away from God, he pulled no punches. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Woe unto you. Uh, for, for illustration purposes, let's look at some of the names he called them. Now, I don't know if you have a, a red letter edition Bible, but if you have a red letter edition Bible, everything we read was what color? That means what? Jesus is talking. I saw a sign the other day. I loved it. I loved it. You know, all these people run around. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Oh, what would Jesus do? When you say the question, what would Jesus do? Keep in mind, he flipped tables and whipped people in the temple. Say amen. Amen. And Jesus said, Jesus said these words, you're hypocrites, you're fools, you're children of hell, you're blind guides, you're blind fools, you're whited encepticers. You're serpents. You're a generation of vipers. Do you understand the significance of that last statement? You're a generation of vipers. In other words, you're a snake, your pappy's a snake, and your grandpappy's a snake. You come from a long line of snakes. Are y'all with me? Can you imagine? Can you imagine a modern day pastor standing in the pulpit and preaching this sermon? No, most pastors today are like the purple dinosaur Barney. I love you. You love me. Let's sing whatever. (laughs) It's all grace and all love and all. Yeah, but, but you got to understand, you got to understand God is a God of righteousness. He's a God of holiness. He's a God of truth and justice. You can't sell one side and not the other. Yes, he is love, but he's holy too. The four creatures around the throne are not crying out, love, 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 love. They're crying, holy, 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 Lord God almighty, which was and is and is to come. And I thought about this sermon, I thought about these words, and I'm telling you what now, he was blistering them. You're talking about stepping on toes. He wasn't just stepping, he was dancing. Say amen. Amen. I mean, just got right in there. No wonder they killed him. They hated him. Listen, as we go through this chapter, as we go through, and we'll we'll go through it quick, you're going to find out, you're going to find out why his sermon was so brutal. Why he was so specific. Why he was so, listen, righteously angry at who these people were and what they did. And all God's people said, number one, if you're taking notes, why'd he call them snakes and hypocrites? And, And by the way, you see hypocrite over and over and over. You see woes eight times, eight different condemnations, if you will. Jesus used the word woe against the scribes and Pharisees, not as an exclamation, like whoa, that's not not the way it was. It was a declaration. Say that with me. It It was a declaration, a divine pronouncement of judgment from God. He did not use the term in the sense of the profane phrase, like damn you. He was not wishing for the damnation of the false leaders, but he was certifying it. Certifying it, why? Why was Jesus so harsh in the sermon? Why was he so brutal in this sermon? Number one, if you're taking those, write this down, because of all the damaged people, because of all the damaged people. Why is false religion so dangerous? Because of all the people it hurts? First of all, you see verse 13. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. We see first the people they deceived. The people they deceived. From the the moment John Baptist landed uh, in his ministry and he began to preach the kingdom of God is at hand. And he began to baptize the baptism of repentance and they would come and repent to try to prepare people for the Lord. The Pharisees came against them. The scribes came against them. And matter matter of fact, don't forget that John's response to the Pharisees was just as brutal. Who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth works, meat of repentance. Show that you've repented. Don't, Don't just profess it. And from that moment on, they tried their best to prevent people from believing John. From the moment Jesus stepped on the scene and Jesus began his ministry, they did everything they could to get people to leave Jesus and not listen to Jesus and discredit Jesus and call him, oh, he's in line. He's working with the devil. Yes, he does these miracles, but he does it by the power of the devil. There was a constant constant, uh, work trying to steer people away from Jesus. And you know what Jesus is saying right here? You fools, you bunch of hypocrites. You're not even getting in. You're standing out of the gate of heaven. You're on your basically saying you're on your way to hell and you're trying to bring as many people with you there. You're not going to believe by faith. You're not going to come to the truth. You're not going to enter in and you're going to do everything you can to make an, an obstacle to keep people out. Now, listen, make no mistake about it. I don't care how nice, nice they seem. I don't care how loving they seem. These, these people that's, this, preaching false doctrine and false religion and prosperity gospel and all this stuff you see on TV, they are dangerous. They're not just deceived, they're deceiving people, and they're people going to hell because of their false doctrine. Damaged people. Listen, they're damaged, they're deceiving people. They're not just not going to hell, they're keeping other people, excuse me, they're not just not getting into heaven, they're keeping other people from getting into heaven. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Not only the people they deceive, but B, the people they deprive. The people they deprive. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For ye devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayer. The word pretense means for a show. You make a long prayer, therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. In other words, he said, You're just stealing from widows. You're depriving widows of, of their means of living. They would abuse the poorest of the poor. Just like prosperity preachers are today. Have you ever noticed that the only, you know, the only group in the prosperity gospel that's prospering is the ones that they're sending in all the offerings to? That should, that should right there, we, we should have a red flag right there. Listen, they were stealing. They were selling blessings, if you will, to the most vulnerable people. And I'm 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 sad to say this. I'm sad to say this. Most of the most vulnerable people in society are usually the most that are success, success, susceptible to false doctrine and false religion. I had an aunt one time, my, my dad's sister one time was, was, was she would watch all of those channels and 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 and, and she wasn't grounded enough in 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 truth. And, and, and see the, 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 thing that's so slick about false teachers is they got enough of the truth, just enough to make the people that are really not educated think this is good. And then they'll feed them the lie. And she was so gullible and she would, she would be willing to do anything with a sincere heart thinking she was doing the right thing. And he said, you're, you're damaging people. You're damaging people. You're deceiving people, you're depriving people, and then you're damning people. Write that down. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Verse 15, for ye can pass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Listen, here's here's what that means. A proselyte was somebody who converted over a Gentile that would convert to Judaism. And, and to, uh, to most Jews, especially the Jewish leaders, this was like a trophy. This was like a prize. If you could get a Gentile to be converted over to Judaism, and, 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 and there, were, there were two types of proselytes. Some that were God seekers, if you will. We see some of them in the, in the, in the book of Acts that were, were, were prayer, they were sincere people, but yet they didn't follow all of the ceremonial uh, traditions of the Jews. But when you got, when you got a, a sure enough proselyte That would would, he would do everything possible that a Gentile could do in the Jewish religion, Judaism, even to the point of circumcision if you were a male, and complete that, oh man, that was that was the top of the deal. That was a trophy. Man, you had done something when you converted somebody over. And what Jesus is saying here, and usually that type of person, that type of person was very passionate. They were very religious. They were very zealous of their new religion. He said, when you would cross land and sea to make one of these people, and now they're twice as condemned as you are. You're damaging people. You're damaging people. You're not getting in and you're keeping other people out. You're stealing from the the most vulnerable uh, people in society. Can y'all start to see now why Jesus was so upset? There's nothing good about false teachers. There's nothing good about false doctrine. There's nothing we could hold hands with. You say, preacher, we just disagree a little bit. Yeah, but those little bits is a big deal. Are y'all with me? Say amen. The damaged people. Not only do we see the damaged people, but look at the dishonest practice. Number two, the dishonest practice. Hey, Steve, grab me one of them tissues over there if you don't care. <clears throat> and do it if you do care. I need one, amen. All right. The dishonest practice. Look at verse, thank you, bud. Uh, look at verse 16. Look at verse 16. Ye blind guides. Ye bl- How would you like to be guided by a blind person? Just follow me. Think about what he's saying. These leaders... Claim to be the guides and, and the leaders of Israel. And he said, you're blind. Watch what he says. Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing, but whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he's a debtor. Now what, now what is he, what are, what are they saying here? The dishonest practice, what basically what they did, if you want to write this in a, they justified lying to others. First, he says, if you, if you, uh, swear by the gold of the temple, he's a debtor. If you just swear by the temple, it's nothing. In other words, this is kind of, this is kind of like when you put your hand on a Bible, you know, you put your hand on a Bible and you say, I, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. And you're swearing it on the Bible. In other words, the Bible is supposed to be the thing that will make you tell the truth. Now, how many of y'all know if a liar is going to lie, it don't matter what his hands on. Well, in their system, you remember, you remember, this is a system they created. These are rules that they made up. They said, now, if you swear by the temple, in other words, I promise I'm telling the truth. I swear this by the temple. That don't really count. In other words, you can lie and not really, and and, and it really, it, it, it means nothing. But, but if you swear by the gold in the temple, then you're really guilty. Basically, it's given them an out to be able to lie. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And I, I can see by the look on your faces, I can see you say, preacher, that's ridiculous, right? This is ludicrous. This isn't even logical. But that's how they operated. They gave them a way. They gave them a, a, a just an an opportunity or an avenue to tell a lie and it not be guilty. If, if you swear by the temple, it's not a sin if you, if you don't fulfill it. But if you swear by the gold in it, then you're gonna be held liable. That was their system. That's how crooked these people are. They wasn't concerned about the truth. They were concerned about whichever way we can avert the truth. Are y'all with me? Say Amen. Now, not only, not only did they justify lying to others, now they justify lying to God. Verse 18, whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing, but whosoever swear by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. In other words, you got a way to get out of it, but then if you do it by, by this way, then you're going to be found guilty. You fools and blind for whether, and and by the way, the gift is talking about a, a, a vow you make to God. Ye fools and blind! For whether is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift? Whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it and by all things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by the heavens, sweareth by the throne of God and by him that sitteth upon. Those three verses are just telling you: no, no matter what value you make, you're making it to God. It don't matter if you, it don't matter if you do it by the altar or the gift that you're vowing, you're vowing to God. And so what they did is they created a system to get away with lying to others. And then they created a system. In other words, if their, if their vow was a little more than they could fulfill, as long as they vowed by the altar, you're good you're not guilty. But if you vow by the gift on the altar, then you're guilty. And, and, and look at, look at everybody, turn around and look at everybody's faces. What? (laughs) Exactly. This is how ridiculous this is. And Jesus is saying by those last three verses we read, listen, when you vow by the temple, or the altar, you got to understand God's in that temple. You're bound by who's in that temple. If you, if you swear or you vow by the heavens, guess who's in the heavens? God is. So whether you're here, you know what? Jesus addressed this same thing in his first sermon. Do y'all remember the sermon on the Mount? How many of y'all remember when we covered the Sermon on the Mount? You know what Jesus said about this? Don't don't swear by heaven. Don't swear by your head. Don't swear by your hair. You can't turn it gray or turn it loose. You can't do nothing. You're not in control of none of that. He said, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. What does that mean? If you're a child of God, listen, your word should be good. You shouldn't seek a way out. You, you shouldn't seek a way to justify a lie or justify a promise. If you make a promise, stick to it. If you say something, it should be true because you said it. A man's word is everything. You used to could make an agreement with a handshake. But now when you make an agreement, you got to have a Philadelphia lawyer there to explain all the paperwork you got to sign. I need a witness. It shouldn't be that way. Let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. But the whole point of this, what's the, what's the point of this point? They create. They were deceptive. They didn't care about truth. They didn't care about true righteousness. They created a way to be able to lie and to steal and to benefit themselves, not the people they're supposed to be leading. If that makes sense, say amen. 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 Now, that, now are you starting to see why? This righteous indignation was at the level it was. Look at number three. It gets worse. First, the damaged people, then the dishonest practice, then the daily pattern. He said, look what you do. Woe unto you. Verse 23. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted omitted the weightier matters of the law, which is judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you to have done and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides, you strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. For you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may also be clean. Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye're like unto white scepticers, which indeed appear beautiful on the outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanliness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye're full of what? Hypocrisy and iniquity. What do we see here? Their da- daily pattern of living. This is, this, is, this is their mode. This is their pattern. This is how they live. First, A, they were obsessed with the insignificant. They were obsessed with the insignificant. You had to follow their made-up rules down to the letter. They were so specific. They were so obsessed with what it looked like on the outside, that they would even tithe off of the herb garden that they had. In other words, Jesus is using the, the mint here. He, he's using these things as the very smallest minute detail you're so focused on. You're obsessed with it. You're obsessed with the outward appearance. You're obsessed at what people think about you. You're obsessed at what, how you appear to men. But in truth, they didn't care about how they appeared to God. See, this brings up B. They obsessed over the insignificant, but they omitted the very important. He said, what about mercy? This is what you should have focused on. What about judgment? What about faith? And Jesus He, listen, he uses the term weightier matters of the law. In other words, the most important things, the most important things you you forgot all about. Everything to them, everything to them was about an outward appearance, not an inward character. It was all a facade to, to hide their inward corruption and true intentions. They were painstaking about the formal ceremonial trivialities, but were unconcerned about their hypocrisy, their dishonesty, their cruelty, their greed, their self-worship. They submitted outward acts of religion for the essential virtues of the heart. I have noticed and I've seen people so tore up about what people wore. Whether they had a dress on or whether they had a suit on or whether their hair was too long or too short or whether they had an outfit that looked more worldly or anything like that. or uh, we, we, We've had people get mad at, at somebody that come in and had a cap on. A visitor. Most likely a lost person. Probably never been to church before in their life. But he had a hat on. And, and wanted a staff member to go tell this person not to have a hat on. Let, let, me, let me tell you, that's the epitome of insignificance. Number one, you don't even have a verse for it. That's a Southern cultural thing. But really with a Pharisee, you don't have to have a verse. I told you snowflakes in here, you're going to be upset today. The same people who comes in with a dress down to a floor, a high and tight haircut suit and tie, and they look down and judge the one that don't. Let me tell you, you're the hypocrite. You're the Pharisee. Woe unto you. You're so concerned with something that don't matter a hill of beans, but yet that you'll well, gossip got a tongue that won't even fit on this altar right here. Look like Johnny be good when you come to church and go home and gossip, get on that phone, talk about everybody in the world. That's who I'm talking to. You're so obsessed with the insignificant, the things that don't matter, hill of beans. But yet you omit the weightier matters of the law. You omit judgment. You omit mercy. You omit righteousness, humility, true holiness. It's all a facade. You walk around and you want everybody to think you're all that. But yet on the inside, you're so crooked. And Jesus could see right through that. Jesus could see right through that facade. He could see right through that, 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 that self-righteous, arrogant. Pharisees are always arrogant. Pharisees always are judgmental. They always, hear, because here's how they judge their righteousness by how they look compared to you. Well, honey, you're not going to stand before me. You're going to stand before Christ. Did you notice Isaiah. Isaiah, in the very first book of Isaiah, first few chapters of Isaiah, he's woeing everybody. He's damning everybody. I mean, woe unto you, woe unto y'all, woe unto her and him, woe unto everybody. And then, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up in the year King Uzziah died, in other words, he compared himself to God, he said, Woe is me. You know what I think every Christian in, in, in America and in the world should do? They should start focusing on Him and quit worrying about what their neighbor's looking like, wearing, driving, doing, or anything else. I got enough problems on my own. I don't have to focus on you. I got enough grass in my yard to mow, I got my own weeding to do. Hello. So obsessed with the insignificant. Worried about a man with a hat on, but not one time thought about whether he was saved or lost. I've I've had to deal with some things lately that's so petty, so petty and insignificant. Then I get a call and have to talk to a good friend of mine who has a 19 year old son that's got cancer that's really, really, really bad. Then they have to put up with somebody's foolishness. I understand why Jesus was why he was. I understand. Listen, Jesus was right. I think we need to get a real good checkup from the neck up, and all God's people say it. Amen. By the way, Merry Christmas. <clears throat> The whole time I'm studying this, I'm like, Lord, this is not even Christmassy. This is not Christmassy. He said, well, it ain't Christmas yet. Amen. Look, hurry. Let's hurry because we got people going to leave if we we don't hurry. Number one, why, why was Jesus so blistering in his sermon? Because number one, the damaged people. Number two, because of their... Their dishonest practice. They created a way to justify lying and not fulfilling their vows to God. Number three, because of their, yeah. their daily pattern, they was obsessed with the insignificant. They were omitting the most important. They only cared about the outside. Even so, you are outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you're full of hypocrisy. And, and look at the description he gave of a grave. He said, On the outside, you're like that pretty white marble. It's all shiny, it's all sleek, it's all beautiful, but inside is rotten, dead, nasty bones. He said, That's you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being a scribe or a Pharisee sitting there and he's pointing his finger at you and calling you that? Hey, Amen. What would Jesus do? That's what he did. Verse 29. <clears throat> Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Hypocrites, ye build tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous. And say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them that killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. Woo! Woo! <laughs> we see the destroyed prophets. Verse. Or number four, verses 29 through 32. Verses 29 through 32, the damaged people, the dishonest practice, the daily pattern, the destroyed prophets. First of all, look at this. A, we see the image they projected. The image they projected. Here's what they would do. They would go to the graves and and, and the markers and the, the, the memorial statues of the different things they had of the prophets and decorate them. Dress them up like they they honored God's men and God's prophets of old, like they would have followed them. That's the image they put out. The image was that they're so in line with truth and in line with God's men and in line with God's prophets. Pfft. He said, "What? That's the image. That's the image." is everybody understanding that point right there so I can go to the next one? But I want you to see B, I want you to see the irony, the irony that Jesus presents, the image they projected, then the irony. He said, you're over here, you're over here decorating these tombs of the prophets and it was your fathers that killed them. Now, watch the irony here. Watch the irony here. He said, if they, they're, they're saying, if we would have been there, we wouldn't have participated in that. If we would have been there, we wouldn't have allowed that to happen because we love God and His prophets and the truth and the law. And, he, and, and watch this. At that very moment, they were already plotting to kill Jesus. What irony! the greatest prophet that God ever sent. And they're over here acting like that they love the prophets and the men of God. At the very moment they were decorating the graves of the former prophets, they were plotting to kill the greatest prophet of all. How many of y'all would agree that's ironic? Jesus said, you're just like Your fathers. You're just like them. You're no different. Matter of fact, he said, won't you go ahead and fill up the cup the rest of the way. The measure, that's what he's saying. Fill it up. In other words, the image is this, that God has a level that he will tolerate till it gets to a point. Then it's done. And he said, y'all might as well go ahead and fill it on up. Now watch this. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now, now are you a little less triggered over hypocrite and serpent and, and generation of vipers and blind guides and fools? Are you a little more understanding now? Right. <laughs> in conclusion, <clears throat> verse 33, in conclusion, ye serpents. Verse 33. Y'all there? You still with me? All right. Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you shall kill and crucify. Some of them, and they did, by the way, they did, by the way. Some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues. In other words, I'm going to send them to tell you the truth and you're going to beat them and you're going to abuse them. And you're going to kill them in every city that upon you, look at this, how sad that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel under the blood of Zachariah, son of Barat uh Barat Bar- 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 whatever y'all want to call him. I've said it four times and I can't get it right. Barachias, Barakias. Oh, that's good. Say amen. Barachias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. So Jesus took the very first martyr and the very last martyr of the Old Testament and included all of the innocent blood of the Old Testament. You're going to be guilty of. He just added it all up and put it on them. Verily I say unto you, look at this. All, how much? All. All these things shall come upon this generation. O oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, You shall not see me henceforth till you shall say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And by the way, that's going to be the return of Christ. Preacher, what is the conclusion? Two things, write this down. Inevitable judgment. Inevitable judgment. There was no getting out of this. It's coming. It's inevitable. All of the innocent blood All of the wickedness that you have built up upon yourself and your unbelief. Judgment is inevitable. But not only that, but imminent. Write that down. It's soon. It's very, very soon. It will be on that generation. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, look at me, everybody. Everybody look at me. In 70 A.D., In 70 AD, Titus came in and killed thousands upon thousands upon thousands of the very people he's talking about. All of those that cried, crucify him, crucify him, Titus came in and killed them. Not only that, but destroyed the city, completely destroyed the temple. And we're going to learn more about that next week when we go into chapter 24, because Jesus warns them. Preacher, what are you saying? False doctrine and false teachers are a serious issue. It's a serious thing. We need to take it seriously. It is a big deal. False teachers are leading countless, countless numbers of people to hell. They're not getting in and they're keeping others from getting in. So what do we need to know from this? First of all, we need to know the truth. The only way to combat a lie is with truth. truth. You got to know the truth. Jesus, listen. Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. How can I know the word? You got to know the truth. Which preacher you said the word is truth? But Jesus said this also: I am the way, the You need to know Jesus. If you will know Jesus and you will know his word, you will know the truth. And anytime a false leader, a false teacher says, and and I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many times I've been listening to somebody on the radio or, 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 or on TV or whatever, and just be all in it. I mean, just enjoying the fire out of now, all of a sudden they'll say one thing. And my little spiritual intent is go, whoa, that's not right. That's not right. Be careful. Be careful not to be so consumed with the outward appearance that you forget the inward character. Don't be so, don't be so concerned about what people think about you is what God knows about you. Let me say that again. Don't be so concerned about what people think about you as what God knows about you. That's why David said, search me, search me. He wasn't asking the Holy Spirit to frisk his outside. That's not, that's not what it's about. It's not like going through the the airport. I've flown more this year, just got back from Raleigh and I had one of them guys get real friendly with me. He was gonna need to take me to lunch. Say, amen. <laughs> I got that quick TSA thing where I'm supposed to go through their fridges. Not even supposed to have to take my belt and shoes off, nothing. And something went off, and they said, "I said, oh boy, it's not the outside. Jesus is concerned about the inside. He's concerned about your moral character, your humility." You can put on the front, you can put on a facade, you can, you can put on everything on the outside, what you think a Christian should look like, but God cares about the inside. Amen. All of the people, all of the people who came to Jesse, listen, all of Jesse's sons who came and Samuel was looking at them on the outside, they look great. I said, surely this is the one God said, no, 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 no. Do you have any other sons Jesse? Yeah, we got old run out in the field. That was David, by the way. He said, well, go get him. We're not even, we're not doing nothing till he gets here. When David comes in the room, God said, that's him. And then God gave this great truth. He said, man looks on the, but I look on the, on the heart, on the inside. You know what the scriptures say about King David? This little shepherd boy, He was a man after God's own heart. He wasn't much to look at on the outside. But boy, he had a heart for God. I grew up in a movement that was very critical and judgmental and very, very focused on the outward. Which caused me to look at people the wrong way many times. And I'm so glad God fixed that. He had to do it the hardware a few times. I've told you the illustration over and over about the, the guy putting the carpet down. He just didn't look like a Christian that I had in my image what a Christian supposed to look like. I said, I'm going to lead him to Jesus. He needs the Lord. Rough looking character. go, he's putting down carpet right over there in that corner, right almost close to them doors over there. I walk up behind him. He's down on his knees, sweating, just fixing that carpet. And I figured, I said, well, I'm going to just talk about the church service yesterday. And that's, and that way I can get to the gospel. I said, man, I tell you, we had a great service yesterday. He turned around with a great big old smile and said, so did we. And I was thinking to my head, what? He had tears in his eyes. He began to tell what God had done the day before and how much he loved God and was so great to be in the presence of God. And I said, I'll see you in a minute. (laughs) I had to go to my office and repent of my judgmental attitude. Hello. Quit judging people. Quit looking on the outside. It's like they say, can't read a book by its cover. And all God's people say it.